welcome to a second chance personal stories of near-death experiences the journey and beyond for the most positive and uplifting time on the radio stay tuned and get in tune with your host gina kane of second chance radio welcome to a second chance podcast thank you so much for being here today i'm very excited to share our interview with angela coming up in just a moment I would like to say a big thank you again to everybody that has left a rating or review at the iTunes store. It has put us into the top of the health category in new and noteworthy this week. So very exciting and stay tuned after I'll share a couple reviews with you. Now without any further ado, here we are with Angela Gibson. Welcome to a Second Chance Podcast. Today I have Angela Gibson with us. She's a mom, transpersonal intuitive counselor. And I had the distinct sensation of traveling away from the earth plane very quickly toward the outer limits of the atmosphere. And I remember thinking, wow, this is interesting. Because in my other experiences with lucid dreaming or with astral travel, I, I definitely had flying experiences, but I never went beyond earth. And that's when I realized, oh, I'm actually having a near-death experience right now. I'm going home, if you will. And as I continued into space, I was filled with awe and profound amazement. I, it was a sense of peace and joy. I was really taken with the way my consciousness felt without hindrance of a physical form. And I also remember thinking... Wow, this is what space looks like. Because remember, I never really paid much attention. Mm-hmm. I was struck by the vastness of it. And I remember looking at the gaseous movement around particles and debris and the stars, so many stars. And the entire time this was happening, I was continuing to travel. It was what was probably light speed. And then there I was in another galaxy. And if I had a physical form still at that moment, I could say it took my breath away. It was the most gorgeous galaxy I have ever seen. There is no way for me to put it into words, but I can say I've spent many hours since I've had this experience researching NASA imagery, and and I'm continuing to try to find it or to find something that's very similar to it. I've come really close, but I don't think I've found it yet. Anyway, once I reached this particular galaxy, there was telepathic communication with other light beings, including my mom and some of my other relatives. Long story short, There was an exchange of information, and I was sent back to this physical form, but that experience changed my life significantly. Well, I'd love to get into how it changed your life, but first, here on A Second Chance, we really like stories to feel like we're there with you. Before this outer body experience happened, what was happening here on Earth? Well, I was going through some pretty significant health challenges. I have what is known as dysautonomia. It's a it's an autonomic nervous system disorder. And the easiest way to explain it is that all of the functions that your body does without you having to think about, like your heart rate, your respiration, your digestion, your anything that you don't have to think about, mine doesn't work properly. So my breathing and my heart didn't want to function properly. So I was having, you know, several of these experiences where I was going in and out. And this is one of those times where my my respiration was depressed and my heart rate, I had tachycardia, so my heart rate would get up to 180 beats per minute 
just sitting or standing. So as you can imagine, it was taking quite a toll on my physical body. Mm -hmm. And it was during one of these episodes that this occurred. So at this time when you were on this journey, you were saying you felt very peaceful. Was there any fear within what was happening, like just seconds before you had this experience? Now, here's what's interesting about that. I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that because when I was going through the experience and I was conscious, so the moments where I'm realizing, okay, I'm not, I can't catch my breath, I can't breathe, uh, I feel my heart pounding out of my chest, I mm -hmm. feel dizzy, I feel I'm losing consciousness, I'm kind of blacking out, I'm graying out, I'm coming in and out. In those moments, yes, there's there was some fear because I'm realizing, wow, you know, this is this is it. I, I might not be coming back from this, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not ready to go yet. You know, and you have all these thoughts like there are all these things I still want to do. Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not ready for this. But then it happens so quickly, and you're out that, you know, and then going into the actual experience, once I didn't have physical consciousness any longer zero fear. It was absolute peace. It was joy. It was bliss. It was contentment. There, I will say there was a little, very small twinge initially realizing, oh, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm really leaving. And so there was a bit of sadness. You know, I'll miss my family and I'll miss my pets and I'll miss certain things on the physical plane. But it happens so quickly. And it's also, it's, it's like, multi-threads of consciousness happening simultaneously. It's, it's like a microprocessor computer with multiple CPUs times a million. So all these threads of information are happening simultaneously and instantly. Mm -hmm. When I went through my experience, I went through some of the same feelings that you've just shared, and you said that you weren't ready to leave yet. And I'm just wondering if you could share with us, uh, some people call it a bucket list, what would you call it? What were those reasons that you weren't ready yet? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually started using the term bucket list myself after that movie came out. It was really good. Um, <laughs> but prior to that, I would say I, I just referred to it as things still left undone, things that I still want to do. And those would include, you know, at the time they were some of them some, somewhat selfish. So there were things like, all of the countries I still wanted to visit, all of the things I still wanted to learn, all of the books I still wanted to read. There, there are so many things that I still wanted to do and learn and see. And, and then after going through some of these near-death experiences, it became more of what do I need to give back to others? What do I need to do to share to help others through their experiences? Because all of these experiences that I've gone through throughout my entire life up to this point have trained me to be able to help others. And I feel that's a true calling for me now. I think that's just amazing because most of us kind of live our life before these experiences thinking, I need a bigger house, I need more money, I need more of this, more of that. But when it really comes down to it and you think that that's it, life is over, nobody thinks about those things. Well, that's just it, Gina. And as I mentioned before, my life has been a little different because death has been a theme in my life all my life, starting with the death of my mother when I was two. Uh, she was only 22. And so I have had a different paradigm, a different perspective, a different set of filters in growing up in my lifetime. And so for me, it has never been about material things per se. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm a Leo, so I like nice things. But 
Mm-hmm. But for me, it never really has been about I need a big house. I you know I need a fancy car. I need things. For me, it it truly has been about experiences and connections because that's all we get to take with us. You know, assuming consciousness does survive after after the physical body ceases to exist, all we get to take with us are the experiences and connections that we've made. So to me, that's paramount and always has been throughout my life. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. So now you've shared the story. I feel like we're right there with you when all of this is happening. Take us back up there. You said that you felt like you had to come back or you said you were sent back. Well, it was um, in this particular NDE, it was more of being sent back because, you know, I have to tell you, when I was there in that space and in that galaxy and in that uh, emotional state, if you will, because, again, the, the feelings are... Just ultimate love, acceptance, peace, joy, bliss, and again, zero hindrance of the physical aches and pains or being weighed down, if you will, with a physical body. That's pretty attractive, (laughs) to say Mm -hmm. the least. But in having conversations with other light beings and really getting down to it, you know, they are the ones who said at that moment, you have a gift, you have a responsibility it's not time yet for you to leave. You need to go back and you need to share your experiences. You need to share your wisdom. You need to share your expertise. You need to help others. You need to be a guide. You need to be one who is basically helping other people to transform their lives. Such an amazing, strong, important message. So obviously this had an impact on your life. Absolutely. Was it immediate impact? Was it a later impact? Tell us about it. Yes, most definitely. I would say uh, there there was an immediate impact, of course, because, again, I, I, I don't know that I could adequately portray in words the experience that I had, but I'll continue to do my best. But the, the immediate impact, of course, was it was so profound. And I remember coming back into body and gaining consciousness again on this earth plane, just being so moved. It was you know, wow, did that just happen? <laughs> okay, that just happened. Um, and it and it has had a lasting impact. I, I know it sounds cliche, but I truly do have gratitude each morning I wake up. And mm-hmm. I say, wow, I'm still alive and I'm still here on this earth plane. What will I do with my day to day? And that's not to say I don't still have bad days or bad moods or struggles or challenges. You know, that's all part of the package. But as weird as it sounds, I even appreciate the struggles more now because it reminds me that I'm still allowed to be here to gather more wisdom and to have more experience. And how, how awesome is that? Absolutely. You know, and, and I really do try my best not to take anything for granted now. I, I understand the gift of being in physical form and being able to have these human experiences. And so tell us about what steps that you took that you may not have taken after your near-death experience. It sounds like perhaps there was some school, some different learning paths that you chose. Most certainly, I really did a reassessment of how I was spending my time and how I wanted to spend my time. I did a reassessment of what are my true core values, my true core beliefs, what is my true passion, what is my path, and I, I would say taking more steps to take care of myself because I had become so so busy, and that's just the best way to describe it, just busy. It, it, half the time, you know, when it really comes down to it, 
the things that we do to distract ourselves and keep ourselves busy, are they really important? Mm -hmm. Are they really necessary? Probably not. (laughs) And I became so distracted with busyness that I neglected to take care of myself. And so that also became a number one priority, keeping my stress levels to a minimum, recognizing what is valuable to me, who are the people in my life that are valuable to me. And who are the people that are detracting and need to not be in my life anymore? Because there are people in your life that are what I call resource vampires, right? And yes, right. And so the, whether they're energy vampires, financial vampires, psychic vampires, whatever they are, these particular people have no purpose in your life. They need to be removed. And so there were cleanup. There's a cleanup process that happened, and I really had to assess the circumstances, the situations, the people what I was choosing to spend my time on, I had to go through and do a, a major shift in a cleanup. And, and it has been, it has changed my life phenomenally. Sounds like it really has changed your life. When you woke back up from this experience that you had, did you end up having to go to the hospital? Did you have some downtime after? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, from two th- the end of 2010 into 2011, my life was a series of emergency room trips, being in the hospital. Uh, in fact, one of my near-death experiences was in October 2011 in the Bahamas, and they lost me in the back of an ambulance. And I had, you know, I went through another one there, and uh, and then when I got back to the states, I was immediately admitted into hospital. I had an entire team. I had cardiologists, neurologists, regular general practitioners. I had a whole team of doctors who were there to get me through this. And, you know, initially I was bed bound. I literally could not do anything on my own, which was very difficult because I'm an extremely independent person. And so that was a a really hard life lesson. Uh, and I had to have people drive me. I, and my whole life consisted of doctor's visits. I had to see the cardiologist once a week. I had to see the neurologist once a week. It was, that was my life for a while. So it was, yeah, (laughs) it was tough. Oh, it sounds like it had a profound effect on your life. I'm also kind of curious about those around you that were supporting you, perhaps people that weren't supporting you. What kind of effect did this have on the people around you? Well, it was a little difficult because I was a little isolated at that point in that, again, I was basically a workaholic and I spent most of my time behind the computer and not much else and so uh, you know and a lot of my family they live out of state and so it was it was challenging Uh, my roommates at the time did the best they could with what they had to work with and they were quite fortunately there to take me to hospital on multiple occasions and there to drive me around to my appointments and you know I, I would say There wasn't much connection, though, on an emotional or psychological level because they had their own things that they were dealing with. It was more of a perfunctory situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, that was difficult, and I had to work through a lot of things there that were challenging. And did you find that it was hard for you to want to reach out being so independent? Was it was it hard to actually ask for help and tell people what you were going through? That was one of the major lessons I had to learn, Gina. <laughs> I never accepted help. I never asked for help. I never, uh, again, so just overly independent. 
if you will. And mm -hmm. and so one of the things that I learned in this whole process is if you do not learn the art of not just giving but also receiving, if you are always an overgiver and you never learn to receive, you will end up in a situation like I did in hospital where you are going to have no choice but to receive, you know, be it through doctors and nurses and medical staff. So mm -hmm. I and at the same time, when I was going through these experiences, it was a major ego shift because, again, I had to go through occupational therapy, speech therapy. I had to learn how to eat again, swallow again. I couldn't dress myself. It was humiliating to say the least and it was aggravating and it was frightening because I thought my god you know I'm only in my 40s is this this is what's going to happen now you know <laughs> um, so there were moments where it was pretty dark and at the same time I was again profoundly relieved to still be living so you learn a new set of norms you learn how to navigate in a new set of circumstances now, luckily, I've been able to come back from all that, but um, it was very difficult. It was very difficult having to depend on others and having and not being able to do for myself. You know, Angela, I love that you have that fighting spirit, that fire inside of you. And if you were to share with anybody else that ends up in a situation that you were in, would you have any advice for them as far as how to take help goes? Wow, yes. So I... This is difficult to portray to, to people who, first of all, who aren't in that situation yet, because unless you actually go through something like that, it's very difficult, very difficult to be able to understand what is really involved. I would say that, first of all, it is not a sign of weakness. It is not a sign of incompetence. It is not a sign of lack on your part, if you require help, there is not a single human being on the face of this planet who has become successful or achieved the goals or reached the heights that they've reached as a singularity. Mm -hmm. No person is an island unto him or herself. We all, at one point or another, help one another to move forward as individuals, as a community, as a human species. So I think the most important key that we have to do is an ego shift. And we have to get away from the narcissistic thinking that I am the all and be all because we're not without others. And so, it, it, again, it is not a sign of weakness to ask for or accept help. And, in fact, it's a sign of strength to be able to say, you know what, I'm really good at XYZ, but I need help with ABC. And I'm not afraid to say that. I love it. And then on the other side of it, if somebody that you love is going through a near-death experience, using the words that you just said might help with that understanding of, you know, why is it that I'm here, I'm reaching out, and I want to help them, and they're not wanting my help. That's right. That's right. So um, there are two things that go there. Now, it's really important for people to learn to ask for help, and it's really important for people to not overstep boundaries. Right. So you don't want to overly help someone where you're taking away their particular ability to learn their life lessons or go through what they need to go through. Obviously, someone going through a near death experience needs immediate help. Uh, yeah. But in the aftermath where we're talking about what you just said, how did I get here? How did this happen? Why is this person in this situation? That's where we really need to start looking at 
the events that lead up to these types of situations. And when you're dealing with someone who you're trying to help this person and they're not accepting your help, first of all, is assessing, do they really need your help? And then secondly, Mm -hmm. if the answer is yes, understanding that it's very, very difficult for an adult who is used to being independent to be in this situation where now they are completely reliant on another because there's a sense of fear. What if someone doesn't come around to help me and I'm stuck here? There's mm-hmm. a sense of anger. Why, you know, why is this happening to me? I, I want to be the same strong, able-bodied, lucid-minded person I was before. There are a mm-hmm. lot of emotions. Uh, grief is involved because there's death of the old self, if you will. Even if you survive a near-death experience, you're not the same person you were prior to that experience. So there's a grief process that's going on because, again, now you're adjusting to the new norm. So Mm -hmm. having patience, having loving kindness, having detached compassion, having the ability to just be there sometimes, not necessarily doing anything, but just sitting there with with someone is helpful. You know, prior to my near-death experience, I found that extremely hard. And then for some reason after, it just became so much easier to just be with somebody and, and just be there. Right. Right. And I think that's so profound. Again, in our society, it's rush, 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 go, 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 do, do, do. We forget how to just be. Mm -hmm. Great advice, Angela. So after your experiences that you had, did it have an effect on your religious beliefs? I wouldn't say my near-death experiences affected my religious beliefs. The better way to describe the outcome would be that I have a much more lucid sense of my own mortality, and I have a profound appreciation for each day that I have. Again, death has been very prominent in my life since toddlerhood, so I have had a much more intimate relationship with the natural death and life cycle than many. And I've understood from a very young age that humans are not immortal, at least in the physical sense. So with that understanding, I have lived most of my life mostly on my terms because I know I have limited time and it's up to me to choose how to spend that time. Uh, I've always been very curious. I've always had a very curious nature, constantly seeking answers to questions. You know, why am I here? Where did I come from? Where did any of us come from? Is there a soul? Does reincarnation actually exist? Does consciousness survive even after the physical body expires? However, being faced with my own mortality, it certainly takes these types of questions and makes them much more salient and intriguing, to say the least. Yes, and if you've seen outer space, then I'm going to say that I I would think that you must have a belief there is a life after. Well, you know, I would like to believe that. I would say that you know, again, I try to stay grounded in science and I try to look for the scientific reasons first behind experiences. But I have to say that I've had enough events in my life, not just near death experiences, but other paranormal phenomena that really makes a strong case for an afterlife. And I would like to believe that there is. Well, Angela, we're almost out of time, but I would like to invite you back on the show, and I'm hoping we could do a 30-minute special where you could just share with us your scientific expertise on this topic. I would love to do that. I think that would be really helpful for people going through it, because when you go through your first near-death experience, it's really scary, and there's not a lot of places that you can go to get these answers. That's very true. That's Well, thank you. <laughs> yes. I look forward to that.
Was there anybody that helped you through your near-death experiences, books, or audio that you could share with our audience? Sure. First of all, I'd like to give a shout-out to an amazing intuitive counselor. Her name is Samantha Hudson, and she was instrumental in helping me work through the aftermath of my 2011 NDE. And, of course, those details would fill an entire interview, but (laughs) of course, much gratitude to her for her incredible insight and wisdom. Uh, I've also mentioned the, uh, uh, I would like to mention a book called The God Gene. Um, and there's also Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian L. Weiss and Dying to Be Me by Anita Murjani. And I'm also a fan of Dr. Bruce Grayson and his work in the field of near-death experiences and the International Association of Near-Death Studies. The book published in 2005 titled the God Gene, How Faith is Hardwired into Our Genes, explores the human species' genetic predisposition to have spiritual or mystic experiences. Mm-hmm. And geneticist Dean Hammer is the director of the Gene Structure and Regulation Unit at U.S. National Cancer Institute. He's the author of this book. His research led to the discovery of a specific gene called the VMAT2, and, and that's also referred to as the God Gene. Um, what this gene does is it alters monoamine levels in the brain, which directly leads to a positive, optimistic outlook and a connection or a belief in a higher power. So what's really interesting about this, you know, does this refute the, the existence of God completely? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but to me, this is really exciting research to help us better understand how our physical bodies process external stimuli and then how do we extrapolate internal experiences. So... You know, again, for me, I prefer to look at the science first. However, Mm -hmm. there's no doubt that there are certain paranormal phenomena that cannot be explained by science, at least not yet. And I am passionate about researching these various events and gaining a better understanding of the inner workings of the human psyche and how individuals extrapolate and interpret data, and especially when it's evolved around near-death experiences. You know, of course, when people go through an NDE, they become more spiritually aware and they start asking questions, even if they didn't have a belief system beforehand. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, in the end, if atheists are correct and there's nothing but fade to black at the moment of death, if it's true that all consciousness ceases when the physical body shuts down, then we, we won't know anyway. It won't matter. In the meantime, if people live a more optimistic, fulfilled, and hopeful life because they have a certain belief system, I don't see any harm in that. And in fact, I think it's beneficial because positive, optimistic, hopeful people are more productive members of society, and they form valuable human connections that lead to some pretty phenomenal human achievements. I love your way of looking at it, and I would have to agree with you that no matter what your beliefs are, I think the most important message that we can get out there is just embrace the time that you have right now today. Absolutely. So Angela, I'm going to put all these books that you mentioned and the show notes at Every Day is a Second Chance, and I'll link up everything here. How can our listeners find you if they want to learn more about what you do? Well, Gina, as you know, I am the host for Transpersonal Radio. Um, That's a radio show that's, you know, I focus on facilitating personal empowerment and transformation through exploration of parapsychology, spirituality, world religion, states of consciousness, and how your thoughts upload your reality. So um, if guests are interested in that, they can visit transpersonalradio.com or they can call 619-800-800. 6057 if they'd like to be a guest or suggest a, a show topic. I can also be reached at AngelaLynnGibson.com or 
952-7212. If guests are interested in metaphysical classes, intuitive counseling, or would like to visit with me more about this topic. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for giving us so many ways to contact you and for sharing your very private and personal experiences with us. Thank you, Gina. It was a pleasure. (laughs) Take care. And welcome back. I'm so grateful for all the reviews that are on iTunes. I'd just like to share a couple with you today. And the first one says, Awesome topic, great podcast by ConvertYourIdea.com Canada. After having had six near-death experiences, this podcast caught my eye. Great topic and great podcast. Subscribed. Big thank you to ConvertYourIdea.com and I think that we might like to have you on this show if you've had six near-death experiences. Sounds like you might have a lot to share with us. And the second one says, Unlike anything else out there, by Take Action Q&A, United States. These are the stories that you can't find anywhere else. Near-death experiences impact many lives, and the lessons learned through those experiences are immeasurably important. Awesome job, Gina. I can't wait to hear more. Rye. Thank you so much, Rye. Appreciate you taking the time to leave a rating and review. Every week, I like to share with you a podcast that I'm listening to, and this week is the One That You Feed podcast. I left a five-star review and said, inspiring and interviews with great guests. I am always working on self-growth. This podcast is very inspiring and interviews some great guests. My favorite is with Jonathan Fields. I personally struggle with feeding the good wolf. Well done. So if you get a chance, take a listen to this podcast. If you like self-growth, then you might just like this one. And coming up, we're going to be having some experts coming on the show. We're going to be doing a special on depression, and I'm going to be having a lawyer come and speak about some things that you can do to prepare your will and your orders, just in case you ever need it. So thanks again, everybody, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Second Chance Radio. Personal stories of near-death experiences, the journey and beyond. For the most positive and uplifting time on the radio. So tune in again with your host, Gina Kane of Second Chance Radio. Second Chance Radio.